Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to the return of the Kennedy Mile Report podcast. I'm Dennis Kennedy. And I'm Tom Mile. Now, some of you may remember our irregularly produced podcasts on legal technology. So it's great to have the podcast back on a regular basis as part of the Legal Talk Network with new producers and a new format. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a longtime legal technology author who writes the technology column for the ABA Journal, a well-known blogger at DennisKennedy.blog, and in my day job, an in-house information technology lawyer who has practiced law in St. Louis for 25 years. Tom. Thanks, Dennis. I'm Tom Mile. I'm from Dallas, Texas. I practice law here as a litigator for 18 years, uh, and recently I joined Fios, an electronic discovery services provider. Uh, my blog is InterAlia, and Dennis and I both blog at the Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration, and my Twitter ID is Tom Mile. Part of our new format is we have a guest host for each episode, and we couldn't be happier to introduce the guest host for our first episode, legal technology maven, principal of LawTech Partners, and our very good friend, Adriana Linares. Adriana, we welcome you to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. I feel like a rose among two legal thorns because I'm not a lawyer and I don't even date them. I just help them use technology better. <laughs> well, well, we're glad to have you here with us, and, and part of what we'll be doing is is having this new format uh, from our from the old version of our podcast, and we're really excited about the, the way that we're going to do this. We each have uh, a topic on legal technology that's near and dear to our hearts. Uh, we'll hopefully have an insightful discussion on each of those, and then we'll end the show with what we're going to call our parting shots, where we each give you one quick tip, resource, or observation about legal technology that you can use as soon as you're done listening to this podcast. This week, we'll be talking about a couple of different various topics, including technology for lawyers in bad economic times, the fact that some lawyers are still computer illiterate, shocking, and the problem of having too much stuff to search. Dennis, why don't you go ahead and start us off with topic number one, the impact of the current economic situation on legal technology. I find that I spend a lot of my time thinking about the question, what if the legal market really has fundamentally changed for the worse for a long time? When you see bad news every day, there's a growing sense that what we're seeing now is, is something that few living lawyers have ever seen. And I feel it has to have a, an impact on legal technology. Now, in these these times, I think you just have to consider delaying projects, freezing, cutting technology budgets, and those kind of routine, normal types of approaches to a slow economy. But it doesn't seem like that's really enough, and that's a little bit misfocused. I, I think that um, if you're just doing that, you probably are taking some risks of some unintended consequences and maybe hurting yourself in the in the future. So I want to think about what kind of strategies. Uh, we might suggest to people as they face bad economic times? Is it just a kind of slash and burn? Or is there something that I tend to think of as a prudent investing approach that might be a, a better way to go? I mean, Adriana, you're out there, you talk to a lot of lawyers and law firms. What are you seeing law firms do in response to the economy, specifically as it affects their technology? 
Well, it's, you know, one of those questions that's a little bit hard to answer because there are so many variables that we could throw into the conversation. But big sort of trends is I'm seeing what you guys are all saying as far as the larger firms looking at technology as a cost-cutting method. So they'll either not go forward with some projects that were part of their strategic plan. And all of a sudden, a technology implementation or rollout, which was part of a strategic plan to help the firm be stronger and and grow, all of a sudden isn't that important and we can cut that out. They're doing things like getting rid of highly paid IT people without really understanding the impact that that's going to have on their strategies long term. And um, the smaller firms and solos I'm really not seeing too big of of an effect there yet. We might see some later, but you know the solos and the smaller firms and the boutiques they tend to run pretty lean as it is, and they don't have huge technology projects and plans that they put in place. But they more look around their office and say, "All right, well, you know this is inefficient. I wonder what technology I can I can put in place or learn about that's going to help me run leaner." So it it, it kind of depends. Well, and, and I, Adrian, I totally agree that, that most firms, big and really small too, view technology as a cost center. And when it's time to cut, when things need to be cut, technology, marketing, those types of things get cut very early on. And, and so things are, it's, it's easy for technology to become the victim of a budget, uh, a budget acts. One strategy that I find or that I've noticed that some solo and small firms are doing, they, they may not be cutting their budgets, but I think that they have the same reaction. I need to cut back on it. I need to make sure I'm not spending enough. And so, you know, maybe no new technology purchase this year. And one strategy that I'm seeing is that lawyers are, are, are deciding and finding ways to make better use of the technology they already have. I think there are some studies that indicate that that we use maybe 10 to 15 percent of the software that we have. And uh, there's a, uh, there's something to be said for going into, diving into Word, diving into Adobe Acrobat, diving into your case management system, and finding out some of those tools that you might not use, that might do some of the things you're looking for that you're thinking about buying another tool for. Dennis and I in our book talk about uh, collaboration tools and how most of today's software products have those uh, collaboration tools built right into them. So there are ways, and that's that's one decent strategy that people can use when they're when they're looking to, to cut their budget or, or be leaner about technology. And one of the things I always like to do is to flip the question on its head and say, or flip what I'm doing on its head and say, okay, if I, my focus is on cutting costs, what happens if I start to think about how could I use technology to to raise money, to increase cash flow? Um, am I just looking at technology from a single focus? And I, I think if we look at some of the lawyers we admire who are doing things with technology, they're really doing using technology in innovative ways to market from you know blogs, Twitter, Facebook, those types of things that are very mm-hmm. small cost to do client facing things using project tools like Basecamp or Extranets. But you see, you know, small investment in technology with a lot of potential re- return and the focus on the on the revenue side of things. You know, and another strategy I think that many attorneys can look at regardless of what size is, if you are going to, let's say, cut staff or rather than cut staff, just not hire new staff to create another, you know, 
line item on the budget. How about looking at some of the technologies that can replace some of those staff members or, you know, functions that they do like virtual assistants or a virtual receptionist. I had a, I was at the Florida solo small firm conference last week and an attorney got up and he said, I'm trying to figure out what a, what to pay a paralegal. I need to hire a paralegal and, um, I just want to make sure I'm paying the right amount of money and I want a good paralegal. I said, well, you know, why don't you think about if you want a good paralegal that's going to maybe take a higher rate, look at how you could use something like a virtual assistant or get rid of your fax machine and stop faxing so much and stop using some of these other physical services. Look towards some of the virtual options, save some money somewhere else, and then put your money toward a really good paralegal that's going to help you be more efficient. Good thoughts. All good thoughts. We got to move on. We've got to move to the next topic. And our next topic is the computer illiteracy of lawyers, as uh, Adriana has put it. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're talking about, Adriana? Yes. Every day, I walk through law firms, from solo practitioners to some of the largest firms in the world that I have been in and doing training. And I'm sorry, it doesn't matter where you live, what language you speak, what computer system you're using. There's one thing that a lot of attorneys have in common, and I'm not going to say all of them because we know that, you know, some of you guys are pretty uh, into technology and embrace it. But I am never, ever, ever ever surprised anymore at how little some attorneys know how to do with their computer. And I'm not talking advanced skills. I'm talking about things like copying and pasting and sending emails and calendaring their own appointments and making edits to a document in Word or WordPerfect. I think it's shameful that attorneys aren't taking a little bit of time every week or every month to learn how to use these tools, which they can no longer deny are part of practicing law, and learn to use them better. Adriana, is it a generational thing that you're seeing? Is it a young versus old lawyers? Uh, Is there a difference that you can tell? Um, you know, it starts off where the, the younger attorneys tend to have some, some pretty good basic skills. They can copy, they can paste, they can drag and drop, they can move emails around. But then it does get to sort of a plateau where, where it's all the same and they don't have what I would consider at that point some advanced skills. Like, how can I quickly create a table of contents or a table of authorities in this document? And same goes with support staff. You know, just because you have a, a young assistant doesn't mean that she or he is going to be able able to whip up that table of citations with a couple of clicks because there's been a huge lack of training and an ignorance toward it in the legal industry that is just undeniable. And I I think clients should be aware and asking for, you know, their attorneys to be more computer literate because it's a savings that they that they could actually push toward the client because a lot of time and effort is wasted when people don't know how to use their computers efficiently. Well, part of the generational aspect is is the whole notion of documents. I mean, we have a generation that lives on instant message on Facebook and the whole notion in which it's quick, it's short, uh, you know, small communications. And so the notion of documents is, is a little bit unusual for them. And so their, their training would be a little different, I think. Well, they all need training and it's just a matter of taking the time to do it. I was sitting with an attorney a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco, managing partner, names on the building. I mean, this guy is it when it comes to San Francisco. And he was asked me to help him with his email. He said, you know, Adrian, I'd really like to clean out some of my email messages. And I looked and he had 30,000 messages. So I said, okay, well, why don't we sort them by receptionist and then we can get rid of all the receptionist ones and we did that and then imagine that now we're highlighted on 
email line number 10,000. He goes, well, let's go back to the beginning, to the top, so that I can start over. And he proceeds then to put his finger on the up arrow on his keyboard, wherein he was going to make me sit there while we waited for his <laughs> cursor to scroll to the top of the emails. You didn't wait? And I said, oh my God, I'm going to be here. Oh my God, I should, I should have charged him by the hour and I should have waited. But that, remember, that's not what I'm there to do. So I said, um, you know, why don't you hit the home key? And he says, what? I said, the home key. It'll take you to the top. He says, home key. And I point at it. I take his finger and I move it from the up arrow and I put it on the home thing, on the home key. And he says, huh? And he taps it. Next thing you know, he's at the top of his email box and his eyes are wide open and he looks up at me and he goes, how long has that been there? I said, well, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much since we went from Selectric to keyboard, that key has been there. And he looks at me and he says, if you ever tell anybody about this, you'll never work in this town again. <laughs> and I said, okay, deal, our dirty little secret. I mean, seriously, how embarrassing. Well, I love the fact in 2009, you still have the, the partners can't use email stories. And, and you know, looking oh. from the client perspective, I think we've seen this evolution from the days when it was kind of cute that partners didn't know how to use email to it's kind of quaint, till it's kind of ridiculous, to now it's preposterous. And, and why would you even hire somebody who's charging you $300 an hour while they're arrowing through their email and through 30,000 messages. So it's, it's it is kind of a sad state of affairs. Well, and you know, uh, one, of, <laughs> one, of the, one of the stories I like to tell is uh, whether there should be a rule that requires lawyers to be competent in the technology that they use. I mean, they're doing this in Canada already. I think it's the Law Society of Alberta or British Columbia has a rule that under the duty of competence, which, which exists in all ethical rules in the, in the United States, but part of the duty of competence is that lawyers know the technology that uh, that they use to serve their clients. Can you imagine the uproar that would happen in this country if they if that were an ethical requirement? Uh, would that it were the case, but it's not. Um, we've got to move on. But before we get to our third topic, let's take a quick break uh, and hear a few words from the Legal Talk Network. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. Don't miss out on the latest in new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. I'm Dennis Kennedy. I'm Adriana Linares. And we're on to the third topic of the show, last and probably least interesting to the rest of our group, but it's it's interesting to me, and that's the idea of search and search on the internet and search in general and the fact that there's just too much stuff out there. That to make search reasonable or, or any good, one area where this is particularly a problem that I've noticed is in e-discovery. The more and more that people are creating digital content like emails and documents and filling up databases, um, the amount of electronic discovery that needs to be reviewed in any given case is expanding almost exponentially. Um, in, in a past few weeks, I've, I've 
become aware of a, a group called the Trek Legal Track. Trek stands for Text Retrieval Conference. And they um, have released some findings that are very mathematical, very scientific. Not sure I completely understand them, but, but it's about how they're working to better use search technology for the discovery of ESI, electronically stored information. And then sort of to tie in with that, late last week, there was an article on law.com by a, a, a guy from, professor from London, uh, Dr. Adam Weiner, who was talking about the problem of searching case law and how the search tools for that are 30 years old. They're too old to find what we need to, to get to. And, and he's advocating that we use some sort of search tool um, that uses a, a process called information extraction uh, that literally mines the text of the case law. And, and I think that, again, this is beyond my usual understanding of how search works, but it deals with finding relationships between words and then sort of clustering them or grouping those words into relevant groups, which is along the lines of what we're seeing with what many people on the internet are calling Web 3.0, that it's uh, Web 2.0 is where we are now, and Web 3.0 will be the semantic web, or the web that helps us do things better, and it tells us what we want to find. Yeah, I think it's interesting you mentioned you end with the word find time, because I think that we are actually getting better and better at searching, but uh, that's not helping us find anything. It's, it's the that's find right. side of thing is where things fall apart. And I remember a couple of conver phone conversations I had with a guy named Bill French, who taught me more about RSS several years ago than I could ever imagine. But we talked just about the mathematics of Google and the Google type of search and how, as we got more and more information, more files that were being searched, the, the search tools would break down and we would have to explore these alternative strategies. And so I think that the e-discovery area is, is really exciting because of, you know, concept searching, semantic search, artificial intelligence search, um, that all is directed to help us actually find things because uh, Google just really doesn't cut it anymore. Adriana, any thoughts? Are you seeing lawyers? I mean, you have lawyers come to you about how they're having trouble finding, not just on the internet, but having trouble finding emails or having trouble finding documents on their systems. Is this something that, that comes up with the lawyers you work with? Oh, all the time. And most of it comes down to not having any specialized tools to help them better organize all that information that comes in. So a lot of them are just using flat, you know, flat folder structures, especially if they're solos or smalls. And then let's say they are with a large firm and they do have one of those great document management systems that are out there. In that case, where the document management systems fail, even after you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to put them in, is again, it comes back down to training. And that's that attorneys won't take the time to learn how to use some of these tools that are designed to at least a little bit help them find, you know, the needle in the haystack. And those great document management systems are, are wonderful tools, but there's a lot of ins and outs. And the better user you become and, you know, the, the easier it becomes. And on top of that, what I see sometimes is, so you've got all this great information, but a lot of it gets lost because it isn't filed properly or there isn't a system to putting stuff in a place where it can be searched better. Well, and I, and I think a, an interesting 
analogy to that is in the e-discovery field where we're seeing a lot of case law come out now that's basically we're having the judges tell the attorneys that you don't know how to search. You need to get help. You either need to get training on how to do it or you need to have someone come in and do the training for you because we're having uh, parties come in and and not having searched this vast universe of electronic Mm -hmm. evidence well enough and they're getting spanked by the courts because they're not taking the time. They're, They're doing... They're, they're, they're going on to electronic discovery and treating it the same way as they would a search engine or Google. And it's just not that simple. And we've got uh, we've the, the tools, I think, are promising. We've got some some good ideas that Trek is doing and that they're advocating over there. Um, but uh, I, I think we're still a ways off before we really can can fix or at least help to solve search. Let me just say as a final note before we move on that if you're interested in working with the Trek Legal Track, they're looking for volunteers to perform searches on email from the Enron litigation, which should be kind of fun uh, and, and definitely educational. We will put a link to the Trek Legal Track page in the show notes uh, that we'll talk about at the end of the show. But we've got to move on. It's time for our parting shots. That segment of the show where we give you one quick tip, resource, or observation about legal technology that you can use the second that you finish this podcast. Dennis, you're up. Well, on the subject of search and new forms of search, Twitter search. I mean, there's so much talk about Twitter these days in the legal profession, and almost all of it focuses on whether you should be tweeting or following other tweeters. Way, way more interesting to me is using Twitter for real-time search and trending. Now, you get both of those in one package at search.twitter.com or the Twitter search page. So if you really want to get a feel for whether Twitter might have value for you, go to that Twitter search homepage and try some searches on words or topics that interest you over the period of a couple of days. See what people are saying on those topics as they say them. You can even set up RSS feeds for specific words or phrases and then pay. And while you're there, then take a look at the, the right hand column of the Twitter search page where you'll see a changing list of the top 10 trending topics that Twitter users are talking about at any given time. Click on a few of those and see what happens. For many people, the aha moment about Twitter comes when you're observing what's happening with those trends. And that's my recommended first step with Twitter for our listeners. Your tweeting, frankly, can come later. Adriana? Great. My uh, parting shot is actually a call to action. And I'm going to challenge all, all of our listeners to learn five or six new things about Microsoft Word. If they're WordPerfect users, then great. They can do the exact same thing. But here's what I want you to do. If you're an attorney that ever opens up Microsoft Word to do some work in a document, I want you to spend the next couple of days understanding how to copy-paste and why you should paste as text only. I want you to learn how to format paragraphs. That's learn how to do an indent, a double indent, and single and double space. I want you to make sure you learn how to create auto text entries because those are like little macros that can save you a lot of time when you're typing and recreating the same paragraphs and sentences and signature blocks over and over again. Then I also want you to go out there and learn how to use bullets and numbering want to make sure that you learn how to create a PDF file so that metadata that you don't necessarily want being shared with the recipients of your Word documents aren't getting out there. And the biggest thing I think that I want everybody to make sure they do is to learn how to set Word's automation options so that it doesn't do things to you automatically and frustrate you. And we're going to put some links to some of these uh, good resources for you to learn about those things in the show notes. So I'm just asking for everyone to take maybe 45 minutes or an hour of their time 
time, one billable hour over the next five days to learn how to use this very valuable tool just a little bit better. And I'll, I'll end by saying this. It's not hard. And you're all very smart. Those two little letters after your name prove that you're smart. And the things that I want you to learn how to do are very simple. And I guarantee that they'll change the way you look at some of these tools. And my parting shot is time sensitive. So if you're listening to this when it first comes out, you're in good shape. But if you take some time afterwards, then uh, you'll have to catch up. ABA Tech Show starts this Thursday, April the 2nd. It goes through April the 4th in Chicago. And uh, in my opinion, it's one of the best legal technology conferences available for lawyers. The three of us will be in Chicago to speak and network and talk with other lawyers about how they use technology in their practices. Uh, If you can't make it to the show, uh, we encourage you to try to make it. But if you can't make it, please follow it virtually. There's a couple of ways we've made that available for you. Visit the Tech Show Buzz page. It's at techshow.com slash buzz. And you can read and subscribe to the latest blog and Twitter posts from Tech Show. Or if you uh, are interested in following Twitter, just like Dennis talked about a few minutes ago, uh, go to Twitter search and create a Tech Show search feed so you can get regular updates on the conference from attendees and speakers, both of them. And you can also use this Twitter search the buzz page after the conference if you miss it so you can find out what happened during the conference this is becoming twitter anyway is becoming a great way to follow an event if you can't be there it's a, it's a real game changer in terms of communications on the internet so that wraps it up for this edition of the kennedy mile report links to the topics we've discussed are going to be available in the show notes on the legal talk network site where you'll also find how to follow each of us on our blogs or on twitter If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming shows, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. I'm Adriana Linares. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you're listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.